0: Well, good morning. Welcome to Apostles Houston Online. I'm David Cumbie, the lead pastor. And I just want to welcome you. Thank you so much for worshiping with us. You know, today is a special day for so many reasons. And the most uh, exciting thing about today is that we, for the first time since March are gathering in our sanctuary to worship together. Uh, and so we just praise God for the fact that we can gather. We're, we're here, we're following precautions, we're making sure we're taking care of each other, but we're so excited to be able to worship together in our space on our campus. And so if you're worshiping with us online, just know we'll continue to do that, and, and we're so excited that no matter where we are, uh, this morning we can come together and worship. It's also a really exciting day just for me personally. Um, just want to give God praise and, and thanks for the fact that Uh, My son uh, is doing so well. Many of you know that about uh, two weeks ago he was in the hospital for a a huge scheduled surgery and they told him uh, to expect to be in the hospital for about six weeks and uh, 13 days after the surgery he walked out of the hospital and he's home now and he's got a long way to go. A lot of work to do and physical therapy but he's doing really awesome and so I just want to say thank you so much uh, to our church family and to Those of you really across the world who were praying for him and just encouraging us, uh, we feel so loved. And so we just give God glory. He has healed our son. Uh, He's walking and he's doing so beautifully. And so we just give God all the praise. This morning we're going to hear from Jesus uh, in Matthew chapter 20. And so I want to invite you to stand uh, wherever you are uh, as we hear from Matthew chapter 20, beginning in verse 25. This is what it says. It says, But Jesus called them to himself, and he said... You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Would you pray with me? Uh, Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks and praise this morning. Lord, you are so good and so faithful and we thank you for the gift of your word and uh, ask you Holy Spirit to come and meet us where we are this morning and and open these words up to us as we look at first Peter, that we might understand uh, who it is you've called us to be and how you've called us to live. We pray that in Jesus name. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to come uh, to the end of our summer series in 1st Peter. And so I want to invite you to grab a Bible, open up your Bible app to 1st Peter chapter 5. And as you're turning there, I just want to kind of recap a little bit about where we've been over the summer. So Peter, uh, he wrote this letter to a, a people facing uncertainty and a lot of cultural pressure. I think a people not unlike us in a situation not unfamiliar to us. And so uh, he's writing this letter, and he's writing this letter to p- people who are not facing outright persecution, but they are facing kind of public shame and slander and uh, exclusion and hostility to their way of life as they seek to follow Jesus. And, and what Peter says to them is, he says, look, it's so important uh, in these circumstances for you to know who you are so you can know how to live. And so he, he tells them again and again, look, you're chosen, you're loved, you are set apart for God. And yet you're also kind of in this place of dissonance with your culture until Jesus returns. You're to live out uh, as followers of Jesus, as faithful witnesses, but you're gonna feel like you're foreigners, you're strangers, you're exiles uh, in this world. And so he says, in light of that, this is how I, I'm telling you to live, as followers of Jesus. He instructs them in how to live. And then here at the end of the letter, what he does is he says, look, in a moment like this, there's a critical need for good leadership in the church. In a time of uncertainty, a time of cultural pressure, there's such an important need for good leadership in the church. And so this is what he writes in 1 Peter chapter 5. He says, so I exhort the elders, the, the leaders among you, and as a fellow elder, as a fellow leader, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who who are younger, in other words, those who are not elders necessarily, or leaders, be subject to to your elders, to your leaders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So again, in times of crisis, uncertainty, of suffering, good leadership is critical. And so whatever, I would say, whatever our specific roles may be uh, and responsibilities may be in, in the church or in life, I would say what Peter is saying here is is for all of us. Uh, It's for all of us in church, home, work, community. And so as we listen to these words, I think it prompts a critically important question for us today. What kind of leaders does the church need right now? What kind of leaders does the church need in this historical moment? I think it's so important in part because of just adjusting to the uncertainties of, of Of a world with COVID. But I think even before COVID, the church was facing increasing pressure to compromise the gospel. And that pressure was coming from, from the left, from the right, and from the center. It's coming from every direction, and it still is. I mean, we are facing tectonic shifts in sexuality and ethics and, and technology and, and secular ideologies and, and, and other religions and globalization. And, and the reality is a spiritual devastation, I think, from, from much of this rapid cultural change, along with the failure of the church to respond to this well, has left many of us feeling just, I don't know how to describe it, almost like this intense burden, this, this sense of concern about the historical moment that we find ourselves in as followers of Jesus. John Tyson, I think he captures this perfectly when he, he writes that this is a time of urgency for the church. This is a time for what he calls beautiful resistance that is in the in the light of the cultural and spiritual forces uh, at work in the world right now there's a need for this move of repentance of returning to Jesus of remembering who we are and how he's called us to live that would lead to a, a renewal and a revival of the church in our day and so it, it's church leadership in a moment like that that is so critical because without healthy Good leadership. Not only does the ministry and the witness of the church suffer, but we as the church become uh, susceptible to discouragement and and the attacks of our spiritual enemy. And so, again, what kind of leadership does the church need in a moment like this? Honestly, Peter's answer to his original readers and, and to us today is. Surprising. I mean, if I were to try to answer this question, what kind of leader do we re- need right now? You, you, like me, might think along the lines of, well, we need, we need kind of a commanding leader, right? Peter could have easily chosen a, a kind of a battle or a warfare uh, metaphor here, advocating for a take-charge commander who stands up against kind of the cultural pressure and the compromise within the church, but he doesn't. You might also think, oh, well, maybe what we need really is, is primarily a prophet, Uh, We need a leader who calls people together under the mission uh, uh, of God and and charts a clear path forward in the face of so much uncertainty. But again, Peter doesn't advocate for that either. No, what Peter calls for, again, I think is so surprising. What Peter calls for is a shepherd leader. He calls for shepherd leaders in the church. Now, just to be clear, that's not to say that there isn't a time for those other kinds of leadership, but it's... It's surprising here, isn't it, that that in this moment, in this context of what he's described, this is the kind of leader that Peter sees as critically important. Peter says that we need shepherd leaders. So what is a shepherd leader? In Timothy Whitmer's book uh, by that title, The Shepherd Leader, he offers, I think, a helpful breakdown and summary of of shepherd leader, leader teachings from the scripture. And he basically says a shepherd leader has four broad responsibilities at multiple levels. But he says they include knowing the sheep, feeding the sheep, leading the sheep, and protecting the sheep. So know, feed, lead, and protect. And so he goes on to, to explain these. And knowing, he says, knowing the sheep includes having significant personal interactions and relationships with those who are under your spiritual authority and care. Feeding the sheep refers to teaching them God's word. Leading the sheep involves setting vision and clarifying the mission of the church. And and protecting the sheep requires shepherds to to keep the sheep from the various dangers they face, from false teachers, from false gospels and ideologies, and, and from cultural idols. And I just want to say, especially in this moment, we need to be vigilant because this is a specific temptation in our moment that we are facing. False teaching, false gospels, ideologies, and cultural idols are everywhere. And so just be careful. Be careful where you look to and who you listen to and what you take into your heart in this moment. But I think this this knowing, this feeding, leading, protecting, Uh, this shepherd approach, what it makes clear is that the focus ultimately of a shepherd leader really is on the sheep. For Peter, especially in difficult times, good leaders in the church, they focus on people. One of the reasons I became a pastor is that I love people. And that's been one of the things that's been really hard during COVID is just, I, I haven't been able to be around people. I haven't been able to be with you all. And I think we all feel that. We, we long for that and we ache for that. But that's, that's been really difficult. But I would also say, as a pastor, one of my biggest sources of frustration is people. <laughs> it, it's funny, it's, it's both. Because, you know, I, I love you guys, but you guys are a mess. And, and the truth is, I'm a mess too. And so it's really hard to lead, uh, to pastor, to shepherd, because that's the reality we live in. We're, we're all a mess, and our community is not clean and neat and tidy. And so it's really uh, the best and the messiest part of leading in God's church is, is people. I think that's why leaders so often focus on, on other things in the church. It's so tempting to, to get kind of wrapped up in mission initiatives and casting vision and speaking opportunities and creating programs and great events. And I think, ironically, a lot of times that happens because people are trying to avoid the messiness of, of actually pastoring people. But Peter says the first and most important call for any leader, and especially pastors, is to shepherd. It's to know and to feed and to lead and protect. And so where did Peter get this idea from? Where did he get this idea of, of shepherding uh, as a, a form of leadership? The short answer is he got it from Jesus. And he tells us that in verse four. He, he refers to the chief shepherd, who will bless and reward the efforts of leaders in the church when he returns. And the reason that, that we know that too is because Peter had spent years of his life around Jesus. I mean, day after day after day, witnessing the leadership and the ministry of Jesus. He had learned from Jesus. He, he'd walk with Jesus, sacrificed, suffered with and for Jesus. And along the way, he had listened to Jesus describe himself and model uh, Different aspects of good leadership. But the one, the one that came to his mind in this instance, and I think the one that really governed his life as an apostle, as a follower of Jesus, was this this image of Jesus as a shepherd. The Gospel of John says that Jesus himself said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You get this picture of Jesus' shepherd heart. And it becomes even more clear in Matthew nine thirty six, where it says, When Jesus saw the crowds of people, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. See, for Peter, Jesus was truly the ultimate example of a shepherd leader. Well, then the question becomes: well, where did Jesus get this idea? Jesus clearly had this idea of of being a shepherd in his imagination, and it guided his ministry and his teaching. It guided his life. Where did he get this idea? Well, what's fascinating is is shepherd leadership runs all throughout the Bible, not just the teachings of Jesus in the New Testament, but the, the Old Testament. For example, David, Israel's greatest king, was the shepherd king. And the Messiah, the Savior King of Israel and the world, was to follow in David's royal line and in this great shepherding tradition. The prophets actually foretold of a true and greater shepherd who would come. For example, Isaiah 4011 says of Jesus, says, Like a shepherd he will tend his flock, in his arm he will gather the lambs. Ezekiel 34 23 says, Then I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, referring again to Jesus. And he'll feed them. He'll feed them himself and he will be their shepherd. And Micah 5.4 says, and he will arise and he will shepherd his flock. So you get, you get all these pointers to Jesus as the shepherd. But I think really Jesus is just reflecting his own heavenly father's heart. You know, throughout the Old Testament, we're also told that God himself was seen as the shepherd of his people. Jeremiah 23 actually issued a warning to leaders in the nation of Israel. It said, Woe to you, shepherds, who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. And in the most well known of all the Psalms, in Psalm 23, it simply and beautifully says, The Lord is my shepherd. See, Jesus' heart reflected the heart of his heavenly Father. And the Apostle Peter had seen Jesus' shepherding heart and experienced it in a way that, that really that changed his life. You know, Peter was one of Jesus' closest friends. And when Jesus was arrested and ultimately crucified, Peter denied him. And so after the resurrection, even knowing that Jesus was alive, given what had happened, how could Peter not have felt a level of deep kind of discouragement and shame? I mean, how, how could Peter not have heard that voice? I think that... that most of us have experienced in our life, where, where we, we hear that voice inside that says, God, you're, you're, you're disappointed in me. I know you're disappointed in me. And so Peter must have heard that voice so loudly. He must have been so low. And, and when you're at your lowest, you know, sometimes what you do is you just kind of go into autopilot. And that's what happened with Peter. Peter went into to autopilot. He went back to fishing, which is what he'd been doing before he met Jesus. And John 21 tells us that, that one day... When Peter and his friends were fishing and they're having no luck, there was a man who was standing on the shore and he called out to them and he he said, "Uh, "Throw your nets on the other side." And they had this kind of supernatural uh, catch of fish. And Peter Peter realizes in that moment it's Jesus on the shore, and so he jumps out of the boat and he swims to shore. And when he gets there, as he approaches, he realizes that Jesus has actually made breakfast. He has a fire going and he's, he's cooking breakfast, and so. Jesus demonstrates just a simple act. It's a little thing, but it's a simple act of just caring for Peter. It's another glimpse into the shepherd heart. But then even more than that, after breakfast, they go for a walk. And we're told that as they're walking, Jesus says these really powerful words just for Peter. He says, Peter, I I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. In other words, I want you to be a shepherd to God's people. And the church will always need all kinds of leaders. It will always need apostles and evangelists and visionaries and prophets and great teachers. But, but I'm convinced that in these days, what the church desperately needs, what we desperately need, are shepherd leaders. And even more than that, what we need is, is the true shepherd. We need Jesus. Right now, we need Jesus, the shepherd. We need his tenderness and his intimacy. We need deep healing. We need the hope that he can offer us. I think we all need that. We all feel that need right now. And so I think that's why it's so important that the church have shepherding leaders in times like this. So what do shepherding leaders look like? In verse 2, Peter describes what a shepherd leader looks like in three ways. First, he says, shepherd leaders Exercise oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have them. In other words, they, they do it with a sense of joy and, and cheerfulness and gratitude. Uh, second, he says, they lead not for shameful gain, but eagerly. In other words, they lead not because of what they can get out of it, but what they can give. And then third, he says, it's not done out of domineering others who are in your charge, but being examples to the flock. In other words, there's, there's a gentleness, there's a love behind it that, that comes with the heart of a servant. I would sum up all those characteristics with, with one simple word, humility. I think one of the key marks of a shepherd leader is humility. Peter says, all of you, he says, all of you here, he says, leaders and those under leadership, clothe yourselves in humility. He echoes the Apostle Paul's words in Philippians 2, where he writes, Let your attitude be like that of Christ Jesus, who humbled himself even to the point of death on the cross. So humility is is a mark of Christ's likeness. Sadly, I think humility among leaders and, and even in the church seems all too rare. So much of what passes for leadership, I think, in the church These days is rooted in pride, men and women who are seeking to make a name for themselves and build their own little kingdoms of power and influence. But Peter says to leaders, to pastors, clothe yourselves in humility. It draws to mind Jesus as he clothed himself in a servant's towel and got down on his knees and washed his disciples' feet even as he was preparing for his own execution. See, humble leadership is a radical call. It's one that in the first century was way outside the line. So the ancients' humility was seen as a mark of weakness of will and mind. The call to radically humble leadership is a a unique aspect, I think, of the Christian faith. As unique as the humility of Christ himself. And so really there's only one way to become humble leaders, to become humble people. Humility actually comes only when we draw near to to our humble King Jesus himself. The more we are with Jesus, the more humble we become. Why is that? Because nearness to Jesus, I think it, it opens our eyes, doesn't it? It opens our eyes to our own sin, to the holiness and glory of God, and to the beauty of the gospel. It opens our eyes to our need for Jesus, Whereas pride, it draws us away from Jesus. Pride in a leader is such a devastatingly destructive and corrosive characteristic because not only does it obscure the beauty and the power of the gospel, it becomes a barrier in one's own relationship with the Lord. And so Peter knows the importance of humility because he knows that we need Jesus more than we need anything. Our leadership, our leadership council, our worship team, our teachers, our life group leaders, our greeters, uh, as parents in the workplace... Uh, Certainly for myself and for our pastoral team, we must be rooted in an understanding of Christ and self that sees our need for Jesus and draws us near to him. Because if we don't have that, our leadership will ultimately fail. When I think of humble leadership, uh, I think of one of my own uh, spiritual mentors, a man named Ray Siegler. Some of you have heard me talk about Ray before but ray helped start young life in raleigh and he directed that mission for for decades and by the time i came along as a college student and got involved with young life and met ray uh, young life had expanded from one high school to almost every high school in the city and thousands and thousands of students were hearing about jesus and understanding what life with him could look like, his love for them. And that was because of of Ray's passion and his heart. And because his passion wasn't to build a big ministry, he almost never talked about numbers or growth. His heart was for kids, for high school students, to know God's love for them and to hear the good news of Jesus. And so while Ray wasn't perfect uh, by any stretch as a leader, he he was a man of deep conviction and remarkable character, Christ-like character. I mean, he loved his family and he, he treated me and many other young men almost like a son. And I say this because it's been so unique in my experience. But it really was true that when I spent time with Ray, I felt like God loved me. I felt like I experienced more of God's love because I'd been with him. Secretly, I think most of us are pretty impressed with ourselves, especially those of us in positions of leadership. And, and I think ultimately that's what stood out to me about Ray's leadership. He was genuinely humble. He was unthreatened as, as a leader. He could talk to CEOs and a 16-year-old kid just as easily. He, he smiled a lot. He had this dry sense of humor and great timing. And he, he usually spoke softly and said very few words. In fact, one of my life goals um, that I learned from Ray is, is to be able to say more with fewer words. But when you were with Ray, I think one thing that was really clear was that he cared for you. He was fully present. He wasn't pushing an agenda. He was an amazing listener. He loved to ask questions because he wanted to know who you were and what was going on with your life. And he wanted to point everything in the conversation to the person of Jesus. You know, when Langley and I uh, lost our first child and we came back from the mission field in Tanzania, we were staying at uh, someone's house in Raleigh. And I remember Ray came over to the house and I don't know that he said anything, but I remember he sat down on the couch next to me on the screen porch and he just put his arm around me. And he was just with me because he loved me. And it was one of the most painful moments of my life, but but Ray shepherded me through it. Again, the church is always gonna need all kinds of leaders. But what I think The church needs right now is more leaders like Ray. Men and women who respond to God's call to shepherd, to come alongside, to to know and to feed and to lead and to protect the sheep. See, God uses shepherd leaders not only to care for his people, but but to model what that looks like and to point us to Jesus. And and he wants to do that, not just through me as your pastor, but through all of us. We're all called to shepherd one another. We're a church of of 250 people, 250 adults and children. And and we need each other to help pastor and, and, and shepherd one another. The reality is I can't do this alone. And so one of the things I just want to encourage all of us to do this morning is to simply consider what does it mean that God's called all of us to shepherd, to be shepherding one another? What does it look like uh, for us in this moment to know each other and to encourage and and, and feed each other, to, to lead and protect one another? The church needs great leaders right now. And more than anything, it needs shepherd leaders because ultimately the church is about people. We've said that. We know it's not about a building. We know it's not about a gathering. It's about God's people and his shepherd heart for them. The church desperately needs shepherds today, not more big personalities or charismatic communicators. It needs shepherds who know and lead and feed and protect. And so this morning, I just want to end, and I just want to end our time in Peter by asking the Lord just to to lead us as we really walk through some difficult times, some challenging times, to to know who we are and how we live, but also that the Lord would teach us how to shepherd one another. And, And I want to ask you to pray, pray for your elders, pray for your leaders, pray for leaders in the church, not just in apostles, but in the church around our nation and across the world, that God would raise up shepherd leaders to care for his church. And to lead us in this season. So let me just end as we pray together. Heavenly Father, we do pray this morning that you would help us to remember who we are and how you've called us to live because of your great love for us in Jesus. But we are so humbled by your love for us that we we've been invited into life and that we can come into the presence of our Savior and Lord Jesus. In particular this morning, I, I want to pray for, for leaders in the church. Pray for shepherd leaders, for pastors, for elders, for leadership councils, for, for vestries, for anyone in any position of leadership, from worship teams to life group leaders to setup teams to mission teams and ministry leaders. Lord, I pray for all those in positions of authority in your church and responsibility in your kingdom. I pray that they would not succumb to the snare of pride. Lord, I want to pray that for myself, Lord, that we would, we would learn to walk in humility, and so, Lord, we, we pray for your protection. We pray for your guidance. And we pray that you would help us to be shepherd leaders who, who know people, who feed and lead and protect, especially in these days. Because we long to see. We long to see your kingdom come. We long to see renewal and revival. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.